Welcome to Wacker Slaps, where we look back into the annals of 2000s indie to determine if an album or a band or even an entire musical movement was actually good or just a product of the hype machine of its time. And like all great podcasts, this is the direct spinoff of a unhinged friends group text that simply refuses to die. And today I'm joined by my, actually I don't know who I'm joined by. All I see on the other end of Zoom is like a couple guys in like animal masks that you get from like a child's birthday party or something. I see some like a Technicolor Von Dutch hat and shit. Um, child's birthday party. Can you guys, Last uh, time I went to a birthday party with a bunch of furry masks, it was not child safe. Yeah, totally. Can you guys just uh, go ahead and identify yourselves since you're new to the pod? Hey, I'm Noah. I'm the animal man. I'm Addy Terror, a.k.a. Adrian. And I am your host, the zookeeper. <laughs> Show us your cans. Welcome to episode 12. We made it. A dozen. A dozen. A dirty fucking dozen. Yeah, pretty dirty. Thought? And, and they, then they said that we couldn't do this. They said, give me fucking half dozen. 12. So what was Rolling there. Stones 12? What was their follow-up Rolling Stones to um, Sticky Fingers? Okay. Plug it in the supercomputer here. It's like Please 74 hold. or something. Is it like Her Majesty's Satanic? Blah, no, blah, that's blah. earlier. That's like 67. Uh, it was a personal favorite of Some all of ours. Just think like 2006, 2005. Just a bunch of bros partying. What? Little album called Exile on Main Street. Ever fucking heard of it? Oh, it is Exile. All right. I thought that was too obvious, but shit. That was a back-to-back? That's pretty fucking good. That's a good little lineup, yeah. Anyways, yeah, so 12th episode. This is uh, episode two of our Animal Collective series where we're looking back at Darlings of Indie, experimental music uh, of that era that we cover and uh, Animal Collective being a pretty pivotal band. uh, We decided to take a look at three of their albums and uh, see how that kind of squares with the hype machine and our current, you know, likings so yeah welcome to it nice. um yeah first episode i thought i was just re-listening to it it was, went really well um i'm a bit of a hater on it and i uh stand by a single every word i said anything i should have gone Peta. Peta's yeah. coming after you after that one yeah call me the animal control guy call your local animal control i'll show up you're putting down more animals than Peta themselves <laughs> yep Totally. I'm a I'm a full kill shelter, baby. Anyways, uh folks, get your uh, animal spayed and neutered, please. <laughs> <laughs> so I think last episode we kind of set the frame for what we're doing um for the next couple episodes so we can kind of uh just you can skip over that. I think you know, I think we more well, let's talk that. about the album we're doing today. Strawberry Jam from two thousand seven. That's Is right. That right? You yeah. got it. Um, they're of course their follow up to Feels, which was a huge album, and this one is almost uh, almost their biggest album. But they they were like the top dogs after this one. They were the 
they were they were crowned by Pitchfork. And uh, Adrian, what did Pitchfork give this seminal Freak Folk album? Yeah, so this one got a nine point three, pretty Ooh. high. Compare, you know, com- pretty comparable to the last one. Uh, it got a best new music, and this one was also reviewed by Mark Richardson. And the ex- excerpt I pulled for this week uh, was also the blurb. The review itself talks a lot about the music, but I felt like the blurb kind of sums up things pretty pretty well. Already among the decade's most vital artists, Animal Collective cement their status with a spectacular strawberry jam. On its first true pop record, the band masters its distinctive experimental approach to songwriting, folding celebration, longing, doubt, loss, and acceptance into complex hooks and choruses. Uh, Which, you know, I think that's kind of the whole MO of this band in basically two sentences there, one sentence there, uh, you know, folding all these feels, if you will, into kind of a more soundscapey, experimental... I don't know. However, you want to say it, kind yeah, of. Approach. Yeah, really it's, spread it on thick on this one. The jam. totally, it's a little while cheap. preserving their former sound and but, musical interests. But yet, it's sweet and sugar. and making all the other freak folks jelly. <laughs> it's a little tart. <laughs> well, that's actually interesting. Uh, I, you guys uh, say that because there's I, I got a little tidbit about that. Uh, in a bit but uh go ahead caleb no i was gonna say like um yeah i thought that blurb you know definitely um summed it all up r- r- pretty well really solidly but i also kind of is this their um like they're live at newport jazz fest this they went electric on this album right i mean i know they have like electronic textures and a bunch of like sequencing and doing a lot of pedal stuff but this is seems like a lot of the sounds are generated out you know from synths and I don't know, more just kind of yeah, uh, more abrasive loops. electronic, yeah, loopings and things before where they kind of had a more acoustic, you know, based sound and then manipulated things electronically in the studio and stuff. But I feel like when I've heard that, when, and, you know, I can talk about it when it's my turn to talk about the, my history with it. But um, yeah, I feel like they kind of went hard electric on this and uh, got really bloopy and bleeping. electronic. Pro- yeah, I think electronic probably is maybe closer to to what you guys are talking about. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's like they certainly had electronic elements before. I mean, a lot of their earlier records were, you know, had a lot of noises and yeah, for sure. and stuff that they were generating. But <clears throat> you're right; the, this was the one that's starting to take it. They're starting to take it their cues from kind of more dance music, maybe, or or like maybe stuff like Aphex Twin and and things like that, where there's more textural stuff going on. It definitely they they started they're starting to marry that to their kind of base of like guitar drums yeah. you know uh, i'd say not, at the the turn ahead, of the turn of the century the early 2000s you had a lot of bands doing this you had wilco which was essentially like a folk rock band suddenly all their songs have this yeah, they, bed a bed of yeah, they, electronic they literally made stuff. a trip hop album <laughs> It's not trip hop. It's not trip hop. <laughs> but there's a lot of this going on, tape loop stuff. And that that's an old indie trick. That goes back to like Mission of Burma, stuff like that. Making like a bed of 
bleepy bloopy stuff underneath dude it goes way back to bad religion and in, into the unknown they made like that synth punk album like 82 after they'd been like a you know basic hardcore band oh that's right yeah. oh boy that shit is fucking weird and incompetent <laughs> <laughs> check it out it's pretty good yeah so it's, it's right got all my... these they're they're noodling they're I don't know. They had it sounds like they had no. like a big budget for this album. Yeah, no, and you say noodling, no, that's kind of what it was because there's like I mean, so, tons of other bands have gone the electric route, electronic route, electronica, and like incorporating like techno and house and all these things. But when you say like the noodling, kind of like the jammy, like live vibe that this album is, and like where you can like see them like with their like pedal tables and everything doing it live and like kind of like yeah mixing everything live rather than like creating like programmed beats and you know layering everything in that it sounded like you know it wasn't all just in post it's the new version of arena rock except it's like festival music rock which like kind of took off so you have to have yeah you gotta you gotta this is the oar this is the oar of our time you gotta rope (laughs) in the dance music crowd as well you can't just be like drum circle you gotta have you gotta have a guy with like a moog in the corner or plug in yeah but then you got to kind of have like that um that really loose and like unpredictable like noise element too if you ever been like a noise show and there's like some dude hunched over a fucking like card table whacking shit around you know making all these like random sounds and then trying to like piece it together and kind of extrapolate from there so um yeah i think that was kind of a angle that they were that they were coming from and kind of you know fleshed it out on this album Let's hear some history of this particular album. Give us the yeah. toast so we can kind of lay the strawberry jam out for our listeners. And then we'll, <laughs> then I'll give you the tea. So uh, on the last episode, we kind of talked a little bit about the band's history. So after the last record, they, they toured extensively for a couple of years, put out a couple of, put out an EP, a few singles, um, but this record was recorded in January of 2007 at Wave Lab Studios in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, it was produced by the band and engineered by Scott Colburn, who had also worked on Feels. And according to the band members, it was definitely a conscious decision to record the album in the desert. I, I got a little bit of a quote here from, uh, well, it's actually a pretty full quote from uh, geologist Brian White's. Uh, but basically he just talks about how like the band talked about how they want wanted this record to be a desert record you know and i think most people you know and he says this he says most people when they think of desert records it's like morricone twangy guitars you know kind of westerny stuff but to them for whatever reason this (laughs) for whatever reason that's what i think of desert rock (laughs) uh (laughs) Uh, shout out Rob Zombie and the uh, White Zombie. Um, and his Robert T. Zombie. For whatever reason, um, they thought that the this the electronic stuff that they were working on sounded like the desert. So they 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 found this studio in Tucson and uh, they decided it was perfect for the record. Uh, it was released by Domino Records on September tenth, two thousand seven. Never forget. It is the band's seventh studio album. And Domino Records is a great uh, record label, indie record label. Um, they've uh, there's so many bands that have been, you know, either on Domino or or were on Domino at some point. But uh, 
a lot of these songs were played on tour between uh, between 2005 and 2006 so after after feels came out uh, they toured him they they tend to do this where they'll play like new songs on the tour and kind of flesh them out and and experiment with sounds i know that we yeah. we've witnessed that in particular a couple of times i've definitely seen it a couple of times uh with these guys but um they, there's also a couple of songs uh street flash and safer uh which were kind of fan favorites that didn't end up being on the album but they were on the follow-ups to this album one of which is the water curses ep which is a pretty great little ep uh and then the peace bone single as well and then uh, speaking of peace bone uh in terms of the content of the of the record uh for peace bone he was kind of uh avitar was kind of taking uh in images from different places uh, a lot of this record is kind of about domesticity and kind of getting older you know starting to have children kind of those transit that transition moment um you know then it also talks about death and other things that once you get to a certain age you definitely start to deal with and you know it starts to happen more and more and um so i think he was pulling all these ideas you know and in terms of peace bone he wanted something that was you know, kind of more interactive, something that you could like dance to almost, or he says stomp to, but they just wanted to kind of color your your space with with the sounds of this record. Um, and I think they definitely, when you're listening to it, I think they definitely accomplished that in, in some level. But speaking of the, you know, the Strawberry Jam, you guys were riffing on that earlier, but that's actually literally what <laughs> what uh, Noah Lennox, Panda Bear, pulled the, the title from. They were on a plane headed to greece for for a show uh he got some toast and some jam in a little you know the little container and he opened it and he's like oh man i want the new record to sound how like how this strawberry jam looks you know it's something really synthetic and sharp and futuristic looking but also tangy and sweet and kind of aggressive in the way it, uh, it tastes and you it know, comes in, in like a face. square a square package <laughs> this album's kind of square in a way. <laughs> it's rectangular. Um, it's hard to open. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, that was it's back. It's like in the a day. little. You always you kind of it leaves you wanting. It's yeah, like it's barely, like it's like barely enough. <laughs> barely close. <laughs> and then you also get a packet of like grape, and you're like, ah, oh, shit. I don't. I kind of wish it was all strawberry jam. <laughs> uh. But actually, speaking of that, there the album cover, which if you've seen it, is like a smushed strawberry and with what looks like ink or some kind of dark, you know, liquid um, in some kind of on some china plate. And Avitar created that himself and, and photographed it and uh, designed helped design the cover with uh, Rob Carmichael, who was a longtime collaborator of theirs. It's a pretty um, evocative image, you know, gotta be honest. Yeah. It, it actually, I always thought that it really suits the record and kind mm. of hits the vibe where it's like colorful, but a little dark, a little See, weird. Adrian, kind I kind of misshapen. This, and whatnot. I yeah. thought they should have gone like seventies with it, where it would be a depiction of like a, freeway and it's a traffic jam and then a strawberry is like sitting in a convertible car all the <laughs> Ill it would all be illustrated like our crumb style so it'd be like a 
you know those like cheesy like steely dan album covers? yeah totally you know, it's like a pun oh, yeah. <laughs> i think that would have been more fitting <laughs> uh i would totally buy that that alt cover version so i yeah, have like the... I, I saw the uh album cover real blown up in person i bought the fucking record of this nice and it's a double lp which is don't forget to submit your receipts uh, <laughs> I, I think i'm taking this one back uh, <laughs> i'm done with this thanks <laughs> it's weird though it's a double lp but i think in the it's only 43 CD, minutes yeah <laughs> in the cd era i think they kind of fudge it a little bit when they reissue stuff there's a lot of uh-huh double albums where it's like this doesn't kind of unnecessarily feel yes to make more like money like a double album it's just yeah. kind of longer songs but it well, doesn't sometimes have, it there's there's no flow from like the a b and c and d sides it often just seems like yeah this doesn't even translate to the double album format yeah i well i don't know with some sometimes they'll extend songs or they'll do special things for the vinyl but yeah i i think this one's probably just straight up yeah, they just split it up into whatever. And it you know, does have grab. a lyrics a lyric sheet, which that's poor poor decision on their part. But <laughs> all right, well, to finish up, there's a couple of more things here. The album was leaked in three song clusters over a period of several weeks. Um, I I distinctly remember this happening. Uh, promo copies of the record had a watermark with journalist names. So they were able to track this back to, to one specific journalist who almost got fired, had to write, he had to write an apology letter to Ryan Schreiber <laughs> to the head of Domino records and stuff. Um, so it was kind of a big deal. They didn't Stalks it, his uh, ass. I, I don't think they listed like the, the lawyer's letter listed it, but ben needless to Torres. Say, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I think Ben would have gotten away with it. Um, Cameron Crowe. Was, but I think Jerry the Goldsmith. Thing... What's that guy? <laughs> oh, from yeah. Um, who was the dude from Smut Magazine? Yeah, Al Goldstein. Al Goldstein. That's who I was thinking. Al Goldstein. <laughs> Smut man. Yeah. Um, but I think for the band and Panda Bear, I have a little quote here for Panda Bear. But basically, the leak was kind of a bummer because the only thing we're really upset about with the leak is that only parts of it uh, were leaked. I think there are six songs out there now. People aren't even able to get the full experience of the album, which bums us all out quite a bit. So if you're listening, Leakers, put out those other three songs, man, pronto. Um, and which they did. They ended up, I think, by the 4th of July of that year, all of those songs had leaked onto the internet. But uh, some people got confused when they're like, Leakers, put it out there. And then they just pissed on this album. Like, <laughs> I thought you meant take a leak on it. Oh, I, I think, think leakers are what you call people from Wales too, like your Anthony <laughs> Hopkins of the world. That's like their national vegetable. Oh, nice. Yeah. But to finish up, uh, once this album was released, it received pretty generally favorable reviews from all of the you know, all of the usual suspects, and it actually debuted and peaked on the Billboard Top 200 at number 72. Damn! Wow. So moves yeah. Minutes. Not too bad, not too bad. Well, a hit for them for sure. Uh, but yeah, that's that kind of wraps up where uh, where this album was at. Speaking of publications, what did Grounded Magazine give it? <laughs> Grounded. I don't zine. have that. Uh, the Grounded fan. You have the pull was, quote from that. Grounded <laughs> fanzine was already. I think. Oh no! I think 
Yeah, it was way done by 2001. Yeah, it was grounded by then. It was mostly collages <laughs> by then. Eventually. I don't think we ever reviewed albums. We it was just, I don't know what the direction of that magazine was <laughs> looking back. It's more uh, like what like your MySpace wall would be in the future. Yeah, in fact you were probably ahead of your time. I was going to review like a I was like a classics. I was going to review like um like a Caius album and I was like, but I'm going to get stoned and write it. Yeah. Caleb's and then I was like, Oh wait, my... I'm 15 and I don't know how to write, especially when I'm fucking just hit the gravity bong. This is hard. Yeah. Caleb's referencing <laughs> grounded magazine. I believe it was called grounded and then subtitled free expression magazine. Yeah. So back we when we like had big, free speech. Yeah. We were it. freedom of speech. <laughs> when we got shadow banned and shit. But uh, it was a local fanzine that me and a few friends founded in Santa Maria, California. We pressed like six, seven issues. We were so dumb, though. The Internet existed. Like, we should have just made a blog. But we <laughs> we would, like, print out little zines, which was cool. It was fun to, like, paste them together and all that, make the little collages. But we would, like, go to a 7-Eleven and, like, put them in, like, a rack, like, next to, like, the Lowrider magazine. That's guerrilla like, marketing, baby. But whoever was working there would just probably fucking throw them in the trash. <laughs> or they oh, took them home they and they were inspired. There's no way they gave a shit enough to fucking pull those. They're just like, hey, what is the that one fool? Adrian, when was the last time you went to the Orchid um, 7-Eleven? Is that one fool Clint still work there? <laughs> oh, my. Wow. No, I don't think so. The last time I went that there was a uh, deep cut. That was a deep cut. You might as well talk about it. The last time Clint's I saw Clint, dead, right? the last time I saw Clint, Clint, it was it was it was not only classic Clint, but it was classic Seven Eleven. He was literally being it was sad as fuck. He was being berated by a bunch of teenagers in big trucks. They're like, "Fuck oh, you, boy. Clint!" He's like, "You guys tried to sell." He's like, "You tried to steal beer for me the last time you guys were in here." Like, "No, we Clint. didn't, Clint. Fuck you, Clint. That's why you work at Seven Eleven, you piece of shit." And then he's like, "He's like." Oh man, it was like rich kids taunting a fucking convenience store worker. It was just like I remember one time weird, Clint, not so romantic small town shit. Dude, one time Clint, because Clint always worked the night shift. He was probably he's probably younger than we are now, actually. Like <laughs> yeah, back yeah. then. He's like, he I'm looked, 28 years old. Yeah, but he looked haggard <laughs> as fuck. And he always worked the night shift. He was a lonely character. Everybody fucking gave him a hard time. But I remember one time it was like 1.58 in the morning. And this motherfucker saw us park and he did the thing where he like jumped over the counter to go run and like lock the because, you know, after two o'clock in California, you can't buy beer. And so he would lock the refrigerator doors and he totally said we were like, we have one minute, you fuck. And he's like, all right, all right. And he unlocked it for us. That was my last Clint encounter. All right, Clint. <laughs> R.I.P. Let's just turn this into a true crime. Like, where's Clint? What happened? It's like, where's uh, the the fucking Richard Simmons one? Richard but we do Simmons. it for Clint. Yeah, it could be oh. just as stupid as that fucking podcast. <laughs> Searching for Radio Randy. Yeah, yeah, where is Richard Simmons? Uh, the dude's tired. He's been high energy for fifty yeah. fucking years. Like, and like really well off. Just let him be. <laughs> let leave yeah. Clint alone, everyone. All um, right. Well, we've talked a little bit about the history of convenience store workers <laughs> in an unincorporated area of Santa Maria, California. So that segues super nicely into our personal histories with this uh, this little gem, this little jam. So um, who wants to start it off? Who wants to talk about their uh, 
personals they're fills they're personals yeah yeah i'll go um i think i bought this album the day it came out or like the week it came out for sure back when albums dropped on tuesdays kids um <laughs> they're fridays now if i recall yeah i think so well now who cares they drop like whenever they drop on your phone u2 style um but i think it was a best buy purchase either best buy or grover beach boo-boos i can't remember uh and i listened to this a fair amount but in 2007 i was still still a feels guy i was still feeling the feels in your feels i thought they peaked with feels and i thought this album was like a leap forward in a way but yeah it's it's definitely more poppy adrian you said it's a desert album but i'd say it's more of a dessert album it's like, nom nom, nom. <laughs> um, you gotta take nom nom out i don't want to be associated with that <laughs> onomatopoeia <laughs> dude we're taking it back to all the irrelevant shit people used to say 10 years ago now yeah we're grown men in the mid their mid-30s of course we're gonna <laughs> talk like cow- about Calabunga, dude, nom nom. <laughs> but this album kind of reminds me I was technically in my first adult relationship. Ooh. And by adult, I mean it was X-rated, baby. We talk about animalistic. <laughs> you know, I was like a one-pump chump. But um, yeah. <laughs> So this kind of, again, I think this is two episodes in a row where it was like a young love album for me. But so, I, yeah, I tried to I tried to tap into that young, uh, early 20s kind of feeling that this album has. Like there's an exuberance to this album, I think. But they're also talking about kind of growing into like responsibilities. It's a little less like, I want to say it's... Le- like the music sounds just as kind of tripped out and going for a psychedelic sound as their later stuff did or their earlier stuff rather did, but it is a little smoother around the edges and they sound a little more confident. And I think that kind of threw me off when I listened to it back in 2007, I thought it was a little too polished and they would only continue to get more polished, but I I listen to this album all the time. It reminds me of like driving. I had this in my car and I believe at the time my car wasn't even that fucking old, but those built-in CD players and cars were so shitty that they would break within like the first couple of years you had the car. And this was a CD that got stuck in there. <laughs> so I had like this, like um, a bell and Sebastian record. I think like the life pursuit and like a flaming lips record i can't remember which one embryonic or something so like i was forced to listen to the same like five albums like over and over for like three years and this was one of them so so i i I would say i didn't love this album but it does kind of capture a time in my life so it's always been in my back of my head i hadn't listened to it for years but yeah, I'd say I recognized it back in 2007 as kind of a leap forward for them. And maybe I thought they were getting a little too lame. They're getting a little too tame. And I'm sure we'll talk about the Panda Bear solo album because that album, I think, kind of overshadowed this album in a lot of ways because it was the same year. 
and came out like a month or two earlier. Uh, well, actually, yeah. it was like five months or something like that. Yeah. I think Panda Bear came out in the spring and this came out in the fall. Yeah. Panda Bear, I remember I had the just to date myself. I had that song Comfy and Nautica that was on my MySpace wall when you click my page, <laughs> that song would start playing. Nice. But yeah, that was, that's my memory, just kind of being in a relationship in my early 20s, trying to make a go of like being responsible, living on my own, shacking up, if you will, <laughs> um, working a couple jobs. I definitely was working a lot during this time. I mean, I still am. Jesus, I can't fucking get a break. But uh, shout out to all the workers out there. Hey, <laughs> yeah. happy late May Day, everyone. Man, workers of the world I unite. Know, you know, it's kind of a good ego boost this year to be called an essential worker. But I was like, man, I'll take inessential any day. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, wanna... what Noah means by that is Noah is a brain surgeon, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I play this in the OR every yeah, day. Yeah, thank you for when you're scrubbing up. Thank you so much for your service, sir. I'm like, nurse, <laughs> put on peace bone. It's like bonefish. I'm like scalpel. Um, no, you I, guys I, don't know how hard I tried to get Jen to um, do her impression of that. Oh, she was doing it yesterday. What the yeah. fuck? We should have just recorded a field recording. I know. That would have been very much that within the milieu of Animal Collective. But I don't know, one of these po. days. One of these days we'll do it. We'll do it in post. Do yeah. you guys know where that's from? No. The bonefish? Bonefish is like from a um you know, like uh there'll be those uh like pronunciation things on on like encyclopedia entries and stuff. Uh-huh. It's uh, one of those. So it's, it's like, like some a, scientific uh some scientific recording from like you know, I forget some university that they pulled. It's like a laurel uh, a laurel what was it situation? What was that thing Laurel. going around? Laurel. Oh, Yanny. Yanny Laurel. Yanny Laurel. <laughs> I heard I heard blue blue dress when they yeah. said that. I just heard Ellen and I'm like, shut up. You're gonna get canceled <laughs> soon enough. Yeah, you're running out of adrenochrome, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whoa, 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 Caleb, say that for the other podcast. <laughs> yeah. So wait, what podcast are we on? <laughs> Uh, but this album had hits and I remember, um, Oh, just a, a good memory with this. I went, uh, back to, uh, Santa Cruz and visited some old friends of mine and my old roomie, my old roommate, shout out, shout out, uh, Taylor. He was, uh, I ran into him. He was just cruising around town and, uh, I think I had like a backpack or something. And this album was in my backpack and he's like, what are you doing, man? Jump in the whip. And like jumped in and we put this on. And he's like, turn it to fireworks. He's like, I love that song, fireworks. And we like drank vodka and listened to fireworks a couple times. That was a good memory. I think we drove to the beach. But those were the wow. days, man. That sounds like the music video for that song. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they drink, though. I don't think they yeah. did that. They're like, like I saying, like I say in last episode, it's like sober, sober vibes. I think they're <laughs> once a year like ayahuasca people. <laughs> they're more into like a static dance and stuff. Yeah. All right. Who's cool. next? Cool. Uh, Caleb, you go next. All right, right on. Rich history, a very earnest 
history with this album. Very um, formative history. Sounds like you're queuing me up for something. I, I didn't get that. <laughs> I didn't get that note. But um, yeah, this, uh, like I said, with me and Animal Collective, I was, I was always probably like six months to a year behind on them. But I think when like Feels came out and like that other shit I was listening to, that was related to them, I kind of remember anticipating this album coming out or at least being aware that it was coming out. And I think I, I bought it on CD, I think from People's Records uh, in the plaza in Arcata. Shout out Plazoids. Shout out People's Records. I believe it's still there based on my last Google search. But um, yeah, they had like a good distribution deal or set up with... Um, indie distributors so they had like you know your jag jaguars and your uh domino records and all your kind of like standard bear indie labels of the time um so they definitely had this album and i picked it up bought it and yeah i, I liked it from the jump you know um i definitely like recognized um in more of the like kind of popular um, electronic based parts of it but that was cool because that was a time where i feel like there was this like meshing of like experimental electronic music and play more playful indie. So bands like fuck buttons and um, that band high places and shit were like kind of getting popular in this. And they were kind of this like more based fun electronic stuff that was still kind of more out there and like dealing with psychedelia. And then there's this other band. I cannot fucking remember their name. They're like from Boston. That's some sort of like Indian dropkick Murphy based name. They were like brothers. <laughs> there was like, there were siblings in the band. The, the business like, yeah whatever their name was like panther aerosmith or some shit or but, wait, boston right <laughs> yeah it was boston but anyways um so yeah there was like this cool like psychedelic live electronic music that i was kind of getting into and um and so this album felt more like that and i was cool with it um yeah i, I didn't need my plucky guitars and my like my weird ren fair vibes anymore i was kind of grown out of that uh looking for different kind of you know different more technicolor pastures and yeah i like uh i had a lot of fun with it when it came out it really reminds me of um came out in september of 2007 but i remember the summer later so it's summer of 08 um i remember just it being a really fun summer and i had a little bit more money in my in my pocket and um i was buying tons of cds and stuff so like this was kind of part of my rotation and it just um it's kind of like party music. I remember this um, time we went camping in this like pretty much abandoned campground, um, and, like on a that's part of a Indian reservation, uh, like east of Humboldt, and um, there's like no one else around. And I had this like in Jen's car, and I was like, um, and we took some took some psychedelic mushrooms, and um, we uh, <laughs> it was like middle of the day too. It was rad. We went down to the river, came back. I was like, this is just some music. I put this on, then it was like my own fish. It's like. <laughs> and i was just like whoa this is kind of cool and then one of my friends was like like this is or i think about even jen my best friend <laughs> she was like she's like i don't know i think you need to turn it off this is getting a little too fucking weird but so it always reminds me of you know kind of like the more sunnier sunnier vibes and then i connect to that like you were saying no with the person pitch and before that the young prayer panda bear solos yeah, and it kind of had a sweet, sanguine, laid-back vibe, but was really fun and ecstatic, you know. And um, I was kind of jumping in, I'm jumping in on that um, in terms of like indie music and stuff. And like, you know, I think it was like funner. I think like 
listening back now, probably like half that shit I was like downloading off of LimeWire or whatever, or like seeing on Pitchfork TV. But I don't know. It seemed more earnest and fun and just a little little less self-serious and there's just like you know like the whole baltimore scene and like the la smell scene um bands were just okay with being a little bit more naive and kind of fucked up you know sounding and like i was kind of trying to make that happen for myself up in humboldt and um yeah so yeah that was cool it was a, it was a good good album good um like central album to like my mid college years and kind of a bridge between where I was going with my, with my musical interest. And it was cool to hear something that was uh, more eclectic in its approach um, and like revealing different textures and um, peaks and valleys and possibilities. So, wow, that was an earnest take. Hey man, earnest goes to camp, baby. Yeah. Earnest takes mushrooms. (laughs) Okay. We are, are back noah is done pulling a schreiber um adrian what's this album hold in your in your memory yeah so thinking back on this i definitely remember i had the leaked version of the album i i i, I got the record don't tell don't lars <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry guys sorry boys i uh i was one of the one of the pirates but I don't know. I don't know. I think I waited for the whole thing to drop before I downloaded it. I don't think I was doing it piecemeal, but I definitely remember it happening. Piecemeal. Piecemeal. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I played the shit out of it for a long time. And right around when it came out and also after it came out. This was like really heavy in my kind of middle college years when I was like, taking like six classes a semester and working two jobs and you know i was basically just like that was my whole life like doogie hauser over here yeah i I was like i gotta get the fuck out of santa maria so this is (laughs) this is what i'm gonna do i should have been doing a little more planning a little less listening to this album probably (laughs) but this like you're saying though like it it reminds me of that time of working a shitload um i used to play this at the gas station all the time super loud you know, like on sunday mornings because i would open on sunday mornings i'd be there at like 7 a.m this was always a good one to just fucking blast as loud as possible uh and i'm sure some of the truckers and shit overheard and were probably like what the fuck is wrong with this guy uh listening to this fucking well yelping bullshit but um i you know i liked it you know there's a few records uh where it would be one of those Sunday morning records. Another one was the unicorns. And then I think another one oh, yeah. was, we'll do that. We'll do that episode. Who will cut yeah. your hair when I'm gone or whatever. Yep. And then another one was the Smith's uh, singles compilation, which I would just throw on and listen. Front Adrian, to wasn't back. it a Morrissey spoken word album? And it was just like nonstop, like Asian hate <laughs> yeah it was just him at national front rallies he was actually. addressing dressing it was down like him and back. eric clapton just like keep england for the english <laughs> hey shout out to the simpsons i almost watched a new episode because they totally burned uh morrissey and apparently yeah, took down morrissey off. <laughs> hell yeah morrissey so, stop asian hate you fucking asshole yeah fuck morrissey yeah. johnny Morrissey, so cool. go eat some fucking meat dude you're weak <laughs> Johnny Marr still cool as hell. I'll say that. But anyways, uh, uh, so Marr, uh, my favorite member of Modest Mouse. 
<laughs> um, <laughs> so I really loved this record. It was it was another one that did become like a center console jam. It was always around in that time period. Uh, yeah, it, and it was kind of like you're saying, this and uh, person pitch were definitely kind of a I don't know because they're not like sonically too that too far apart but they're they're all also very distinct in terms of what they are but i think yeah and a lot of people's heads 2007 was just basically from these guys it was those two records and for me that was year of the panda yeah year of the panda uh but i so i I really love both of those and eventually i got i ripped a a better sounding copy from uh, from our friend maxwell uh, who actually, I think he bought it on the, the day of release and like came over immediately and we got friend um, of the show and future guest friend of the show. Indeed. I think he brought it over and we, we listened to it uh, like two or two times, maybe uh, just while hanging out and drinking a beer. So he, he micro castled you <laughs> similar previous, pre- previous antidote, previous uh, episode. Check it out episode seven something that's what's called an easter egg <laughs> <laughs> Crack um, it open so, so yeah that that's kind of where i was at with this record um i liked it a lot i think i probably liked it more than feels or i don't know it, it probably goes back and forth between the two of them but this was definitely an important record i i really i think what, what drew me to the record was probably definitely how tightened up the the songs were in terms of like the 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 kind of the architecture of them you know i mean which isn't to say that feels wasn't put together it just is a little bit looser and this one is a little bit tighter and i like that and i also really like yeah the all the electronic elements that they brought in and how they kind of stack that on top of the kind of the delayed guitar stuff they they always known for and and also panda bear's drumming which he just fucking rips on this record there's a couple of songs where he's just like going all out and it's it's fucking killer um so yeah Yeah, that's that's kind of where i was at (laughs) (laughs) yeah adrian it's funny because i think in that review by um what's his name dick dickerson um he was talking about how i think he was kind of overcompensating for this album a little bit because um the person pitch by panda bear was so huge already that he's kind of like but don't forget about his band animal collective like an avatar like this is avatar's album where he talks so much on in that review about avatar's voice it's like, being... stop trying to make avatar happen bro <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> but he talks about how his voice kind of has more confidence and i think it does like his voice yeah. his voice is still grating but it's like an intentional great to it it's definitely a leap forward in terms of like his control and and the way he yeah. uses it mm-hmm. i think he's he's, he's kind just, of re- yeah he's able to sing in a more pop oriented delivery i think yeah and i think that was definitely something that he was conscious of for this record i think they felt that these were more pop songs so that he kind of melded to that and i think he's actually kind of stayed in that mode for the most part uh you know but I, I mean, yeah, he's gotten a little bit looser, I think, on some of those solo records. He's gotten a little bit more back to the weirdness. But Wait, yeah, he's I think... still alive. <laughs> yeah, oh, they're no still uh... releasing music. What? They're still. <laughs> yeah, dude. He's making five more movies. Him and the Navi. 
<laughs> oh, I think you're a little. Uh, I think you're a little confused there. That's um, that's. Oh, like he's not blue, in the. Avatar he's a blue dude, movies? and he and he fucks with like a ponytail or something. Well, that part's probably still holds. He's for made both. out of unobtainium. <laughs> oh, he, he 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 has sex by touching the brim of his distressed Dutch hat. (laughs) (laughs) That's why he has it to the side because he has to have somebody come on the other side so it makes like a little winged Von Dutch hat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) Just Google Abby Tear. He's always wearing a stupid hat to the side. Kind of like me right now. Yeah, but he's definitely uh, he has like weird I don't know, slack line. He's like, he dresses somewhere between like a dude, a slack line at Lake Merritt and then like a fucking bike messenger. I don't know. That's he's like a, you... he's, <laughs> he's a like the Adam Sandler of indie rock. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Just like shorts, comfy, shorts, comfy he's guy. always like ready for a pickup game. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't, <laughs> I don't like even this, know if that's true. But... Uh, the pickup game's a drum circle. Is there for a pickup <laughs> drum circle? Yeah. He has tear away. When he goes to a drum circle, he tears away like his adidas like track pants is like yeah. do you think he has I'm a ready. pair of those like those drop crotch like uh like those diaper looking pants that dudes were wearing like five ten uh, years ago i think he wears like kind of like clothes. they're kind of like genie, genie pants i think like he knows enough like fashion designers they're like here abby tear would you wear this he's like yeah for yeah. sure man. he looks like a he looks like a big boy whose mommy lets him dress himself <laughs> he looks kind of like a skinnier version of the fallout boy singer pete wentz <laughs> yeah yeah no i was thinking of the other guy the combat hat guy i guess he's he's a combination of combat high combat hat guy and pete wentz it's combat hat guy eminem the singer of uh, fallout boy the redhead dude that has the combat hat tilted to the side right i don't know am anyway. i crazy was there not a combat hat in that i'm sure there was I'm sure there was, but um, yeah, fucking Avi Tear, man. Uh, enough about Avi Tear's uh, personal style, sartorial choices. Sartorial choices. Let's get into how we feel about this album. Nowish. Now, Volume One, starring Noah. All right. So I listened to this album a few, I don't know, a handful of times over the last week or so. I definitely have not listened to Animal Collective since probably since we saw them live, really. I think I gave one of their newer albums a spin once, but I forgot about this album, forgot about all this shit, really. Um, <laughs> and like I said, I do have a lot of nostalgia for it. As I've gotten older, like my wife's really, like her favorite group is probably like the Beach Boys. So there is a lot of Beach Boy element, especially like Panda Bear's backing vocals. And I like a lot of that. Um, Like I said, I think Avatar made a leap forward with his vocals on this. But he's still doing pee-pee, poo-poo pants lyrics and vocals. He still sounds like he's got a caca. I think there's even a lyric on here where he talks about like poopy babies. He says something because maybe he had a kid or whatever. So he's just singing about changing diapers. But I got this on vinyl double LP, which I don't know. Maybe you guys could chip in and we can all share it. I'll, you can have it for a week. 
Yeah, but who gets it on Sundays? There's three of us. Yeah, it'll be like the. <laughs> Let's do it together on Sunday. It'll be like the Simpsons episode with the uh, Fallout Boy. The comic book. Comic. Three. Whoa! Did we just mention book? Fallout Boy twice? In like <laughs> two minutes. Or what was the guy's name? The Adam Up and Adam. That guy. Radioactive, radioactive man. man radioactive man there you go we can share it it'll kind of be like it's all of ours so you guys owe me like i don't know 850 each <laughs> um, but it was funny too and then the album comes with the lyric sheets which i don't know if you should ever print lyric sheets to be honest like i don't know if it it ever does you any good but wifey's corner kiki was like saw me listening to it and reading the lyrics she's like oh no they printed lyrics <laughs> and i was like yep yeah lyric sheets are like would you want somebody to find your notebook of poetry that you like are <laughs> writing or currently working on or whatever like why fucking he, make that public and i think he does have a clearer kind of pronunciation it's less distorted vocals on this sometimes he, he leads into more screamy stuff so you can kind of already hear the vocals. I don't know if he needs to spell out every word for you on this, uh, but I have a lot of the same complaints as feels. There's a lot of that circus music stuff going on. And it's funny that review to go back to the pitchfork review. I feel like that review is kind of, it's like uh, answering the questions that like the haters posed with, feels where it's like, it's like yes, getting out in front of it get out in front of her it's like yes they still have carnival music circus music yes they're kind of painfully earnest like yes they are like bleepy bloopy kind of like a little weirdo for weirdo's sake and it's like yes avatar's vocals are grating and precious at times <laughs> um, and i i think all those criticisms ring true I definitely like the first half of this album a little bit better than the second half. I just like, there's like three songs that I think still really hold up. And then there's like three songs that just kind of get on my nerves. And then the rest is like pleasant to, you know, kind of middle of the road. I just don't think they're all like a lot of the little, the bed of like the, the bed of electronic sounds. like don't, they're not that great at making tape loops. I think on the Panda Bear album, he was pretty good and he tapped in. But this one is like, I just wish there was a little more just like out and out songwriting, like just kind of dial back things. Like there's there's a meandering to this. Well, I think that's the difference between this and Person Pitch is Person Pitch sounds like a studio album like it was all like laid out and well orchestrated and everything and like i was saying with this album it has more of that live feel you know and more of that improvisational kind of spontaneous electronic orchestration and stuff and yeah yeah songs bleed into each other stuff like that yeah yeah i guess i don't know for the most part I had a pretty good time. I liked this more when I was like walking around listening to this on headphones. I put it on the stereo. Maybe it's the the vinyl transfer or something. Cause I think it was like it didn't come out the year that year on vinyl. It's like a repress. And it's it didn't sound all that great, to be honest. And then it's also like I never really wanted to crank it 
on my stereo just because of like the embarrassing factor in my apartment <laughs> complex where it's like, what the fuck this guy again with this fucking two thousands little kid music. <laughs> so it still has a little kid vibe. I just, I out, I outgrew this and I'm, I can't like a lot of music for me is a nostalgia connection, but just not a lot of this, the music that was contemporary in my early twenties, I just can't put myself in those shoes anymore. I can't connect to it where I used to think maybe it sounded profound and very interesting and evocative and I could relate to it. And it was like kind of freaky, kind of pushing my boundaries as a music listener. But now it sounds a little quaint, a little kind of cartoony, which I don't begrudge it for. It's just not something that is ever, ever going to be in my rotation of music to listen to. Although I will say, I think on a handful of songs, it does pass the test. If the homies were chilling late night, getting drunk, passing a joint around and be like, let's put on some goofy 2000s music that we can all dance around and sing along to. I think this one passes that test at least. So, But anyways, I sound a little harsher than I think I actually am. I think because I think I enjoyed a lot of this and there's a lot to enjoy. It's interesting music. I can't, I can't take that away from them, but it's just, it's nothing, nothing I'm going to like, for example, tomorrow out on the curb in front of my apartment, you'll probably find this LP. <laughs> so go ahead, get it before the sun gets too hot and it gets warped. You should do one of those things that like fools gone wild does yeah, like we'll do it on drop. our Instagram. But yeah. You just like, <laughs> if you know where this is, it's yours and it's going to be there for like two years. And then it might sound cooler. Cause it's all fucking warped and like, you know, yeah, it's like outside by of the like elements, Fruit, Fruitvale Bart station or something. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? It might inspire the next wave of. Yeah, Dance, somebody else like, go. DJs. Enough about me and my fucking history. His story. <laughs> uh, I can I can jump in, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I got to be honest. This was a little bit of a grower for me, you know. Um, after you know last week's kind of negativity fest. Um, <laughs> that you know I, I, I heaped upon the the old feels album. I was like kind of gave myself a little pep talk i was like all right caleb just you know don't be so fucking cynical from the get-go just like listen to it i gotta be honest you know a little you know inside baseball i listened to a lot later in the week than i should have to like prepare for it so i started listening to like on thursday or something but um i don't know i don't know how that affected it so i was like i didn't give myself enough time to listen to it but i put it on and then i like it was kind of like reminiscent you know i've listened to it a shitload of times and it plays a lot you know just in like whatever probably on tv shows and shit at this point or it's popular enough to where like i've heard it over the years it's like you know so everything sounded familiar and reminiscent but like noah saying like what was reminiscent of what i liked about it that didn't like click with me right away so i first i thought it's just kind of a bloopier bleepier poo poo peepier version of feels a little bit um where it's like kind of all that like that playful kind of childish uh like meandering was done but kind of with a with a sheen of 
synth and you know um electronica elements and whatnot and then so then it kind of and then like yeah and then like the yelpy vocals and stuff that I, I still can't get behind that that's still like really grating and i just i don't understand it as a choice like i get like why they would do it i just i just can't agree with it um i don't know what uh, how it's in service at all of it um i think it's more in service of that dude's persona and like what he is trying to say as a whole about this band you know rather than actually helping the songs out um so the yelping ain't helping avatar um but over time i felt like it got a little bit you know, easier for me to listen to, you know, I definitely think they, um, they graduated preschool and then they, uh, transformed into like, like a kinder indie band, you know, and that's like a big step. And, um, yeah. And you know, and then, uh, I think I listened to three or four times from my initial listen and, um, it was a lot chiller than I thought it would be. It was, I actually like found myself kind of like getting into it, not like, per se but it was like less grading like the first couple listens or what my kind of memory of it was it was this kind of like slog of just like this all these different ideas and all this weirdo pop sensibilities and stuff but i found it to be a lot more chiller of an experience than i gave it credit for um which you know which was good and i really do appreciate what they were doing you know to kind of take their their template and their format and their kind of i don't know mission statement and to kind of take that in different directions sonically, you know, I thought it was admirable and I thought they, they were really good at what they were doing. And it sounded a lot more fleshed out than say feels or like sung tongs and stuff. Uh, I felt like it kind of had each song had distinct like beginnings, middle and ends. And then like the, the jammy or noodle or stuff was like, actually worked you know and had some sort of intentionality to it and i felt like that was probably the parts i liked about it the most is where they kind of dipped into more like minimalist they went they went from like a homemade mason jar filled with you know preserves to that airline little package of strawberry jam you know they kind of condensed things there you go dude there you go it's not and- your grandma's yeah you know what it is it's like (laughs) when i was in college i didn't have a lot of money i was really in this band didn't have a lot of money spending all my money on animal collective cds and train wreck you know um so i had to get like the um stafeway brand or smuckers jam you know but eventually you know get a little older get a little wiser you know how to like handle your money you know to get the bag a little bit more and you move up to like the to that other jar with like the um with like the stripes on it you know like the the, peanut butter um, and the jelly (laughs) <laughs> yeah oh no you know what i mean what's that whatever that brand's called it's like misses something or whatever and it has like that nice jar and it has, makes that nice popping sound and has the has like the picnic table looking pattern on it and you start to get that shit i think that's what they were doing with this they were getting a little bit a little bit more expensive a little bit more high tone a little bit more confident a little bit more balanced like the artisanal <laughs> yeah they got a little bit more artisanal um with their jam on it and um yeah, so you know, it it wasn't a total you know hate fest. I wasn't totally cynical listening to it, but you know, overall, if I'm being honest with you guys and myself, it's still not for me. You know, it's still not um, what I want to kind of revisit or where I want to go. But I do appreciate them. You know, when you listen to this and you listen to like where they come into your life and how bands like this are helpful, 
more than you're stoked on them. You know, it's like, okay, this helped aggregate what their influences were or what they were doing um, helps you aggregate what you're going to get into later. You know, what things you're going to respond to. And like, for me, you know, maybe if I didn't listen to this, I probably wouldn't want to explore things like, I don't know, kraut rock or like minimal techno musics or whatever, you know, um, things that the I'm beach like boys. Yeah. The beach boys or like, even with some of these songs, like, you know, like Brazilian music, tropicalismo, like, you know, that kind of stuff. So it helps like, it helps like when they're pulling all these influences and then it kind of helps you like dig a little deeper, but then you may not return to this, but then you're like, Hey, thanks for like, you know, taking me to the, taking me to the, uh, the water. I'm going to drink from it now you know, be on your way animal collective. This is where I leave you, but thank you. You've been useful up until this point. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where I'm at with it. I feel like, um, you know, feels, I probably would, that, that's like a $3 jam. It's been about $3 on the jam. This, uh, you know, if I was at whole foods or whatever, I'd, I'd probably kick this jam. I don't know. Like get like the $6 jam or something. <laughs> nice. Um, nice. Yeah. Taking a little picnic with me. But um, Adrian, what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, so I uh, listened to this probably I don't know seven or eight times over the past week and a half or so uh, that we've since we've uh, last met. It's you know it. <clears throat> I think it hits a lot of the same buttons that I liked. Like as you guys are saying, like this sort of saccharine sweetness of it. The uh, the kind of the more pop elements of it definitely speak to me more than some of those feels songs did. Although I really, I really love feels again on re-listen, but for this one, it, it held up pretty well. I think in terms of like some of the lyrics, certainly stuff that I thought was a little bit more profound when I was, you know, 20 years old or whatever. Uh, it seems oh, a little bit when you're a wise fool, a sophomore, <laughs> Yeah, back when I was, you know, um, flunking out. He said the other side of takeout is mildew on rice. I felt that. (laughs) Exactly. But like you're joking. But like to me, like I was like, oh, okay, I get what he's saying here. Like this is kind of like, I don't know. It's kind of plain spoken poetry in a way or something like that. But now I'm like, all right, like I get what he's getting. He's getting at, but it's still a little bit silly. It's a little dumb, which I I appreciate it. But. Certainly now looking back at it as an older man, I, uh, you know, this, this definitely feels like a younger person's album. Like, like I was mentioning earlier, like this feels like one of the, an album about transitions. And I feel like all of us have already, already on the other side of that transition, maybe not having kids and stuff like that, but certainly evolving into adults with more adult concerns and more adults, you know, jobs and, and, you know, lifestyles. And so, I like I have a I have a lot of fondness for this record and I think that carried it a lot over the years. I didn't really this fell off for a while. I, I you know songs fireworks for instance would come up a lot on terms of like Spotify random playlists and stuff like that. So it was always in the mix and it was always in the back of my mind uh this record but to listen to it all the way through and to hear some of these songs uh which I haven't listened to in years was was nice and you know as much as with feels there was elements that popped up you know i appreciate the production more now than i maybe did when i was younger although i i 
you know, I was obsessive about it then and I still am, but now I can appreciate it more in terms of, I don't know, I, I, like the warmth of it versus like kind of like the, this, the playing, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's kind of hard to, to describe, but I think now I'm more into the, the, the textures and the tones versus the, the structures that I was more drawn to when I was younger. And so that's been a pleasure is just to kind of dive in and, and especially again, like on really nice headphones. I, I agree. No, I think this is a headphone album. I haven't tried to listen to it on the stereo, but it, you know, I've listened to it on, on crappy headphones and, and also really good headphones and it worked both in both ways, but with the good headphones, you definitely hear some of the depth of the, of the production. You hear some of the, the, the shimmering of some of these, you know, these textural elements rubbing up against each other. Some of these samples really pop. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think it, I still connect to it as a piece of art and I still connect to some of the lines because, you know, it, they're talking about universal themes and, you know, the heaviness of life and the heaviness of growing older and the heaviness of death. And I think that's something that we've all been, you know, can, I've been thinking about maybe especially over the past year as things have progressed but yeah i think this has been this is a pleasurable experience i've really enjoyed hey, what's been happening for you <laughs> oh oh again yeah i think did animal collector when, break up um, no you might want to just google like world news uh really quick just uh okay i'll oh, check it out google fox news they'll leave you <laughs> yeah i'll give you the real truth um right now but yeah i think you know I think it it still works for for a lot of the same reasons I loved it when I was younger. But in terms of like, am I going to revisit this a lot? I I don't know. I young man's album, which is weird yeah, because think, a lot of their the content of these songs are being an older man. I mean, there's a song called Chores on it, which I mean, I guess Chores is also reminds you of being a wow. Kid. They really like Ariel Pink on Fox News. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like that's a good example of chores is because it's it is about kind of domestic life, but it is about like a young a younger person yearning to be to have the freedom of being 20 years old. I mean, you know, he the the, the chorus is basically like about wanting to get stoned and go for a walk. But like, you know, and, and I still I still connect with those things, but it's dude, like, yeah, I connect waste with your high, younger self. dude, when you're high take care of that bathroom fucking bust out the mop <laughs> get, get down there scrub the toilet bust out that pumice stone get in those corners I'm telling you it doesn't sound good at first dude that first... used to be my thing like when i would smoke the fucking kind kind humboldt shit yeah. i would can't, like when you get super it was, high it was like tweaker your... shit i would listen it was the best time to i would i would listen to like eight albums and just like deep clean my album <laughs> got all my album get, listening in when you get super high you're probably clean. only gonna you're only going to clean like one room of the house. So just make it your bathroom. And just fucking go in. Yeah. And maybe. And then maybe when you start to, to have album. like weird feelings about yourself, all your insecurities, all your paranoia, just fucking dig deeper, scrub harder. <laughs> and then come uh, over to my place and do my bathroom. <laughs> but yeah, that that's kind of where I landed with it. It, it's it's a great it's a good record. I I probably will return to it, and it, it was pleasure. It was pleasant to listen to, like during work. It was kind of has it has this kind of driving kind of thing to it. Some songs are a little bit more meandering, but 
for the most part, there is kind of a propulsiveness. Yeah, the it doesn't feel long, and it like it has a momentum to it that yeah, um, yeah, that is really kind of comforting in a way. I will totally give it that. Yes, where where, where I felt like feels did not. I felt feels was a slog for me, and like you're just kind of stuck in this valley, and then you got to climb up the valley walls again. This was like, yeah, I totally, I totally agree with you on that point. Well, I think it's just it's a really welcoming record and not just in terms of like the the lyrical content, which is about kind of universal things, but also the warmth of the sounds, even though they are electronic or synthetic or however you want to put it, there is there is a, a depth and a warmth to it that is that does feel good to return to. And I think that's kind of where where I'm at, where I'm like, it's, it's like putting on, like you, you find an old jean jacket in the back of your closet and you're like, Oh yeah, this thing used to, I used to rock this all the time and it's, it's yeah. comfortable and it's, it's warm your hands in your pockets and there's some fucking jelly in there. <laughs> like that members only jacket you had. In the yeah. It's like what I do every Saturday. I get up, I make a, I make a cup of coffee and I get some strawberry jam and I put it in my Crocs. And I just stick my feet in my Crocs and then just watch the jam just go up the fucking holes. There's nothing like it. Sounds pretty oh. cool. Intense. <laughs> so that I'm would be a thing. line on this where it'd be like <laughs> Crocs exploding Jelly through the in holes. My crocs. I thought we moved away from this, but it's we like have to come back to it. How many pairs of Crocs do you think um, Avatar owns? Oh. <laughs> the only Croc horror on this <laughs> podcast you have to answer that question I, he seems like a croc guy he seems like a croc I don't daddy fuck to me. with crocs so you speak his language not me i'm a gator <laughs> i'm a gator boots boy oh, oh wait hey. this guy fresh off my feet right on um yeah do you have any other parting sentiments or anything adrian before we uh no, I'm, I'm ready to slide into the, the let's listen yeah. to this bad boy Cool. Uh, let's take cool, another cool. break. And when we come back, we will talk about what are our strawberry jams and what are our grape jellies. I really do. Something else. I might, instead. Caleb, when we come back from the break, I might switch to a nice cup of tea. If it wasn't so hot in my apartment, I would switch to a cup of, cup of tea and a little little toast with strawberry jam. Sounds pretty fucking good right now. I don't know. I think like the Coors and the, the half a joint is stick to that too. What about those um those that ice cream, the big tub of ice cream? That's my favorite food? fucking ice cream, strawberry swirl. It is just food for less vanilla ice cream with strawberry vein. jam in it. That is my all time favorite ice cream. But Caleb, when vein. you hit that vein, when yeah, you hit the, that you fucking hit the vein, vein dude, and then it like sometimes there heroin. would be the big, yeah, there would be, <laughs> yeah, you hit the vein exactly. There'd be that big ass like little fat piece of tar of like where it's actually like <laughs> somewhat of like uh resembles a strawberry oh my god this Dude. album is like that it's and vanilla you only, is... and you can only get that shit at food for less like it's... you can only get strawberry swirl at food for less, or you can get them in the little cups that come with the wooden spoon, wooden spoon or yeah. for whatever reason you're at like a soccer game a youth soccer game and it's like the last <laughs> game of the year they'll also have that there yeah berkeley farms or whoever makes that shit we will take a sponsorship for strawberry swirl ice cream but that, it's very us. much like this album it's vanilla with a little you know a little vein of some some goodies yeah and you eat and you do way too much of it when you're fucking a few bong loads deep <laughs> God, that'd be dangerous in my house right now. 
<laughs> a fucking tub of that shit in a bong. I might die. <laughs> <laughs> might be it. <laughs> all right, with go. that, let's go. Let's regroup in just a minute. That all stays in, Adrian. Welcome back, all you sex maniacs to Wacker Slaps. Let's go into our jams of this album. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. Who uh, who hasn't kicked off a segment yet? I would Adrian. very I would very much like to hear from Adrian. <laughs> hey, let's yeah. draw straws. Adrian looks like you have the very longest one. You guys done? <laughs> you guys, you no. guys go through your notes? You know we're yeah. not, but More bits? for now, for now, for no, now. No, yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> so I have a I have a few highlights. Probably more than you guys do, but I know that me and Noah have a couple in common, and, and actually me and Caleb, I think we have one in common as well. But the one that I, I want to talk about that's kind of towards the beginning of the record is "Unsolved Mysteries." Yeah, which is a great song, and it's an interesting song because I think shout out Roger Lodge. This is <laughs> this is um this is like hey Roger that's. Robert Stack, <laughs> yeah. Robert Roger Stack. Lodge is blind date. Oh, never mind. Robert Stack, my bad. Sorry, Adrian. All yeah. right. Although, right. although some of those blind dates probably ended in an unsolved mystery <laughs> situation. <laughs> <laughs> um, got my host wrong. But uh, yeah, I, I, it's interesting because this song is like a little bit more meandering and weird than some of the more pop stuff on here. But I think it works because of that. I think it's a nice balance. Um, to the other stuff, which isn't to say it doesn't have pop, pop elements, because there's like a there's a nice panda bear sort of Beach Boys esque harmony going on on the song. Well, at AV Tear, you know, covers it all in weirdness. Uh, but there's a there's there's a couple of moments here where I thought were really strong. But yeah, I, you guys have any thoughts on Unsolved Mysteries? I had in my notes. He's kind of got a, like a Daniel Johnston voice yeah, going a little bit yeah um where he's really kind of like pushing his vocal range in kind of a charming way he does have that caca voice but it's more controlled i would say he kind of sounds like kermit the frog yeah i don't know i felt like dennis farina was like he was a pretty good host um <laughs> you know like when they brought it back and uh, but the netflix version is reboot? pure fucking trash dude that whole, that was, that was, the whole, that was a the waste. whole, the hole in the banquet room of the hotel. That was a pretty good episode. Yeah. <laughs> Just um, no, I, I, I dig what you're both saying about this song. Um, I didn't have it on my list, but um, yeah, you, you got to appreciate like, you know, the scope of what they're, what they're doing and like, yeah, just kind of, um, yeah, it's a little bit more of a odd jammer. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, you know, it's kind of clever that he mentions like Jack the Ripper mm-hmm. unsolved mystery. Oh, I was yeah. like, yeah, we listened to the lyrics backwards of Unsolved Mysteries, and it revealed Jack the Ripper was actually Prince Philip. <laughs> I think I think the it, timeline adds up for that. If you have information yeah. of, of about <laughs> Prince Philip as Jack the Ripper, please call one eight hundred. Um. Anyways, let's hear some that some timeline tracks. Mysteries. Where was he in the 1880s? <laughs> Nobody knows. Nobody ever saw those two in the same room together. That's all I'm saying. 
All right. Well, here here's a little bit of unsolved mysteries. Last seen at Coachella Valley's famed concert, a fan of Animal Collective disappeared. Was they were said Tyler, to be on a Jeff combination Ripper. of Coke and K, one for each nostril. She was hippie flipping. <laughs> and she had a very inappropriate outfit where she was dressed like an indigenous native North American. <laughs> Did cultural uh, appropriation kill this hippie wanderer? <laughs> and does Avitar have information? If you know, please call. <laughs> um, but but anyways, that bit that uh, I just played, I think it has a nice. It shows kind of a nice balance of like the weird gurgling noises, the kind of propulsive drums, Avitar's you know vocals over the top, kind of uh, talking about you know life things uh it's like i don't know it's just a nice mix and like the guitar too the, the kind of repetitive guitar is is kind of a nice i don't know just just sonically it's 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 kind of a fun and nice listen you know it it uh it drives you forward uh even though it's kind of weird and, and almost slow but not quite slow i don't know yeah. it's, for me it's a mid-tempo jammer you know they have yeah, a lot easy, of that it's almost an easy rocker yeah, AJ, and yeah, that mid-tempo thing, they do that a lot, where it's it's like yeah. an off-kilter, where you have that that real pounding drum, you know, kind of marching band drum, but then the way the song breaks down, he does, it's like it's behind the beat or something, you know, it's, it's like kind of, it's, it's like a ethereal or something, I don't know. Yeah, I have another little section marked off here, uh, so let's hear a little bit more. It's definitely got some of those circus music vibes that you were talking about, Noah. Yeah, I but think I it's you... kind of more buried, though. But I think when he goes deeper yeah, with buried, his voice, it's a, it's a little bit. I don't know. It's a little more palatable, and I think it's you know it's in better service. Of but the, I think the, if you took jams. if you took out that bed of you know bleepy bloopy stuff, that kind of sounds like Mario Brothers, like the water <laughs> level or whatever. Yeah, totally. Water, fish Mario level. Video game music, that's a nice kind of touchstone yeah. for this because it's not quite there, but it is almost that fantastical kind of thing. Yeah, it's Super Mario Brothers is a good one, or like Legend as of Zelda a big, as something. a big nerd core guy. Um, I agree. I think if <laughs> I think they were probably fucking around with a Game Boy at this point on this album, but I think if you took out that bed of sound, it's not even a wall of sound, it's like a bed of sound, a garden bed of sound, if you will. <laughs> it would just sound like a Daniel Johnston, like hard strumming, 
a guitar, just him and his vocals sounding all vulnerable and all weirdo. So I kind of like that element. It's more direct than I think a lot of their last album. It's less coin. It's more just like if I'm going to sing like a lunatic crooning that has to sounds like I have to cock on my pants because I did <laughs> too much mushrooms out in the desert. Like I'm just going to go full bear and like be kind of funny about it. Like the, the Jack the Ripper stuff is kind of a funny line de- delivery. Yeah. Um, Char- is it charming? Charming. That's charming that's exactly the the word I would use for it. Uh, but yeah, Noah, you got one for us? Yeah, let's see. Let's keep it going. On the first half of the album, song number four, I think it's the best song on the album. Mm. It's kind of like the most epic song. Well, I'd say this one and Fireworks, song number five. But I think for, for Reverend Green is... I think it's the yeah. best song on the album. Um, it has a little bit of like Iron Man voice. It's, <laughs> it's like, I am Iron Man. Kind of gurgly a little bit. Yeah. There is some, I think he's thrown a little shade at some of their fans. Like he oh, says yeah. something, he says something like a thousand Brooklyners are depressed. A thousand sleepy Brooklyners yeah. are all depressed, or something like that. Yeah, he, he yeah, says they have to he, listen to you. Oh, hey, he does go like full screamo on this thing. There's a lyric where he says, "Touch his breast." And I was like, <laughs> well, that um, I think the lyric is about because he's followed it up by saying something about being creepy or like a it's it's a negative thing. He's it's okay about. if he admits it. <laughs> yeah. But do you guys uh, know who Reverend Green is? Who's that's referring referring to? Yeah, the kind kind baby. I gotta go see about some Reverend Green going to take me to church. Well, there's that aspect for Reverend Forever and Green for Reverend Green. But Noah, you got a guess? Is it the that football player Reverend the Green, the guy that played for the Packers? Mean Joe no. Green. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some other guy. I think he was a Reverend. No, I can't remember who is it. So. It's actually one of their, I believe it was like one of their tour managers who was also a musician, but he, he puts, puts out music. Uh, I think he was on paw tracks uh, as Reverend green. So it's kind of one in a long line of songs that they've written for, for people or named after people or written for people on the last one. There was a song that was written about Panda bear, I think on their, first couple of records there's like there's one song called song for abby i believe so it's something that they've done a lot of but this one specifically for reverend green is, is a reference to that uh that tour manager uh who seems to be uh, a good dude from from what i could uh, understand so he was like their ramrod <laughs> sure <laughs> <laughs> what ramrod oh, dude, speaking was of which, the did you know uh, do you know avatar has an album with mickey hart Oh yeah, God. well, there's a lot of interesting <laughs> cross pollination with the uh, yeah, totally there. What is it? It's just a drum circle, right? It has to be <laughs> world of uh, drums, baby. But here's a little, here's a little for Reverend Green.
name it on that. Yeah, yeah see, scr- scrams, baby. So that yeah, so that you get a taste of kind of everything. You can get his kind of uh, regular syrupy sort of vocals going into the the screaming vocals, which I think actually works yeah. really well on this. You know, it screamo, can be screamo vocal alert. <laughs> you're triggered by that to me it's like i i think it can sometimes it does push into obnoxious but for i think the passion the passionate the passion excuse me the passion behind his voice on this this song is like it pushes it over to to actually i think being being good and serving the song yeah where sometimes it's right. distracting to 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 what what's going on um, and I also really like the the kind of the weird delayed repet the, the the guitar loop going on underneath, and then whatever I don't know if it's another guitar line or whatever the or a, a synth line, but that kind of I don't even know how to describe it. It's just like a kind of uh, kind of like con- this modulating crunchy kind of yes like sound yeah exactly almost yeah. like I don't know like a radio wave tuning in or right, something. Yeah, right. it's, it's interesting. Yeah, uh, it but sounds it, like something being played like at the end of like a hallway or something like yeah yeah it's very it's sonically it's really interesting and then to have to layer in all the the vocals like they do is like it it works pretty well but it also so go ahead go ahead no go ahead adrian you go no i was gonna say i have another couple sections marked out here that i can play but go ahead and yeah no play that because it might i don't know i have a lyric i wanted to highlight but play the music because it maybe it'll go into that if All not, right, so here's I'll a little bit f- from right in the middle. All right, so that was pretty similar to the one before. I have another time. Let's see if this is a little bit different here. Here we go. He's getting into it. He's like a dog chewing on a bone. He's like, wow. <laughs> um, but the lyric I wanted to highlight, he talks a lot about food on this album. It's kind of, it's yeah. like their weird owl food album. <laughs> um, their mm food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's their mm food. Not as clever as that album, of course. But um, there has one, it's called a lyric where it goes from, from one moment to the next shifting in the plates of what you ingest from sugared tits to honey pest bulimic vegetarian wins weight contest yeah yeah i'm like what 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 is that it's a weird cipher (laughs) it's like eminem what do you yeah (laughs) spaghetti on mom spaghetti on my elbow already type shit what is that (laughs) Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's still kind of imagery of of. Here's what I want. I domesticity. want domesticity. Avatar, panda bear, Lin Manuel Miranda. Oh no! The indie rock musical, live Detain- from Gitmo, <laughs> <laughs> playing directly to detainees in <laughs> things not sanctioned by the fucking Geneva Convention. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the less said about Lin Manuel, the better. Um, <laughs> Red, green, right. green, bulimic. 
<laughs> uh, did you have any thoughts on this song, Caleb? Yeah, um, it's not one of my favorites, um, but you know, hearing you guys like you know kind of talk about the charm of it, I don't know. There's just something a little bit, I want to say heavy-handed, a little, I don't know, a little bit too much for me. So yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, it's not a, it's not a favorite, but um, yeah, you know, I, like I do like it, it has a good pace and a momentum, and like like I'm saying, the the Yelpy, um, it thing, almost has like Yoda. It kind of pays off, yeah, it kind of pays off in the more playful like vocal range is you know is is good but yeah not not a highlight for me nice caleb what's your slapper yeah well give us a highlight the um the the song that i will highlight is um both the name of the song and how i would rate it amongst all the other songs on this album it's number one yeah, I like this song. Um, this yeah. song slaps, and I feel like I have this weird thing where I keep picking like these weird interstitials or like the kind of more like I don't say weirder songs, but I don't know the more minor kind of minimalist songs. I don't know, maybe it's just kind of what I they needed more minor songs on this to. album, honestly, Caleb. Especially yeah. listening to it in the LP format where there's two LPs, and there's only there's only two songs per side. And I'm like, what? This is a double album. Like yeah. you need to have like five more of these little fucking weirdo ditties. Right. And this, I like this song. Cool. Cause it like, um, it really appeals to my like kraut rock ears and it kind of has like mm-hmm. a tangerine dream cluster, you know, kind of modulating warm synth, you know, vibe. Um, so yeah, let's, let's hear a little cut. Number one, I believe anywhere is good. Cause this song kind of just, yeah, Rose. I got. I have a little bit section marked off here. Sick. Thank you. It sounds like a uh, Buffalo Bill meets let's dance era david Bowie. <laughs> yeah and mick and then i would throw in like a little me? bit of like pure I moods in there me. too it's like Can all of that plus like a uh, like a <laughs> like a novelty halloween voice record like oh it, it has a monster mash vibe yeah it's, it's like a, he's yeah. like dracula he's like or I bobby never, pickett or whatever that dude's name was yeah, yeah he's like <laughs> i never drink wine <laughs> but one um just like listening to it like i said like crowd rock but more so and that i think animal collective does get a lot of credit for but also like i don't know it kind of goes with the writers how into new age music they are and how like there was a yes. lot of bands of this yeah era. Pyram- um, they kind of helped before bring it, it back was cool. it yeah was and cool. like and that's something i've been getting into like you know like dave slepian space lady and all this like more like oh, outside weather reports not new age but um <laughs> well i think these guys it would totally they'd be like you know you know in an interview and be like yeah we've been listening to a lot of laraji or whatever you know yeah what I mean? yeah and it's like i said i'm like i'm not that well versed in it but i have in the past few years like I, you know like numero group or whoever put out like some some collections of stuff and it's like oh this was actually like the weird human potential movement based you know like, you need to start post hippie new age shit and mm-hmm. i feel like animal collective and also like a lot of groups that like are on pod tracks and like kind of satellite bands yeah. um are into that shit and i think this song is a nice little um little you know little taste of of that 
Caleb, you gave me an idea. You know, what we need to start doing when you say stuff like that. Like I barely tapped into what was the guy you just named? Uh, oh, like just new age, like new, like, new yeah, we need to start doing podcast assignments. So it'd be like, so, okay. For the next, this is my promise to you guys next week's episode. Before we record, I will have listened to like three weather report albums. And then like, Caleb, you dive deep into like you listen to pure moods. Adrian, <laughs> you could do something. No, I heard you. I heard from a credible source that you already kind of did your homework in this past week. What's that? You hear it first. Noah finally listened to American football, everyone. <laughs> one, <laughs> one song. You finally figured it out, huh? It was a half a song. <laughs> They're no, long turn songs. It off, so. Turn it off. <laughs> uh, but getting getting back to number one, it's funny because number one, although it doesn't sound like a single or anything, it was the one they chose to play when they were on Conan. And Adrian, I remember, you yeah, it's probably what I like about it. It's like the least commercially viable. It was their I, television debut, right, Adrian? I, it, mm, no, they were on Pitchfork TV the, before that. <laughs> what, it may have been like their major uh, network debut. For network, sure. network. Yeah. But I remember I watched it that night. And I remember oh, being hell yeah. blown so away. Yeah. I remember being blown away. I remember staying up, being super stoned. and Because like and back in those days, Conan had all of the best music. Conan was the well. He was the well. Um, Letterman, to a certain extent. To an extent. Well. To extent, but I think Conan was Lou more Reed willing on there once a year, Letterman. right? Or you know, what he he'd he'd have some some of the more eclectic stuff on there compared to Leno or whatever. But Conan was always tapped into the indie rock stuff, and I think he was he's generally a fan of of some of this stuff. So it was in you know it was a great performance, um, and it became kind of infamous. There's a meme or an image that's been floating around the internet that's. Um, closed captioning for this performance and the closed captioning <laughs> says uh it says man speaking backwards woman vocalizing which <laughs> basically <laughs> sums up their entire M- mo of what they sound Dude, like they need to make a whole album kind of based around this one song like just <laughs> tweak the it's like chopped and screwed or whatever it's like Kind of is everything screen. like make the vocals all unnatural, make it it's more like a Brian Eno DJ screw, make it collab. less earnest, make it more almost funny. There's a sense of humor to this song. Well, I think, but I think what works about it is, is the balance between the kind of organic uh panda bear vocals, the Brian Wilson harmony, and the gurgling Wilson voice, yeah. It, yeah, I think the the interplay, the push pull between the two is what makes the song interesting or you know more interesting than if it was just uh at av terror you know gurgling over the the yeah. kind of meandering slower uh it's almost like chains rattling or something i don't know I, it, like it, it makes it's me like think jacob of jacob marley like, yeah the chains you forge in life with twice <laughs> as long as mine it's like spooky he's like a ghost spooky that's a great word for it it's spooky <laughs> Um, I have a quick story. Well, I'll try to make it quick. Uh, the funny story about this song. So I go to my local dive bar. And when I say dive bar, this place is a fucking dive. It's kind of like a locals only 
might be a record scratch if you walk in there <laughs> during a certain time of day. But anyways, I'd go in there like every day, like the after work crowd. And then there was these two hipsters. This place kids. has a drink minimum, by the way, too. You have to get more than two drinks. You have to get five drinks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I've never seen anybody get cut off in god knows they should have it's been open the entire pandemic yeah um but this is like a dive bar neighborhood bar regulars bar so everybody knows each other and uh there's these two kids and i couldn't tell if they were my age five years younger 10 years younger they were definitely hipsters i'd never seen them in this bar this bar didn't really attract a lot of hipster but you know oakland fucking hipsters are everywhere and I couldn't tell if they're trying to do some iron ironic shit, like let's go and do a field trip to a dive bar in the, in the afternoon, and we'll load up the sociology test. Yeah, we'll play all trip. of Strawberry Jam on a jukebox, and maybe I was trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they were college buddies or high school buddies, and this was the album that they kind of grew up on, so they want to listen to it. So anyways, I walk into the bar and they play fireworks and then it goes into this song number one. And I was like, what the fuck? Who's playing this on a jukebox? And then they sit down next to me and I'm like, well, crazy. I forgot about this fucking song. And they're like, yeah, man, it rips. And I was like, do you guys remember when they played this on Conan for their like national television debut? And they looked at me like, Conan, what a Conan, oh, what a and I was like, Conan O'Brien, like the late show. I was like, I always thought it was like a weird flex that they like played this song as their single. And they looked at me all stone faced. And so I was like, all right, little hipsters. <laughs> so I started a fucking whisper campaign because they loaded up the jupe. They commandeered it and we're just playing Animal Collective all fucking afternoon. And so I started this whisper campaign amongst the barflies. So I was like, dude, what's up with this fucking music? Like, <laughs> How many fucking songs are they going to play? And then finally people like started rumbling. There's like all seven of these like people that have been there all day drinking. And finally a friend of mine, she's like a, probably like a late fifties, uh, Oakland local. She was like, okay. And she like got up. She's like, Hey honey, I don't mean to bother you. Uh, jukebox boys, but, uh, how much, how many credits you guys got in here? They're like, we got like five more, but you can, you can play whatever, play whatever. And so I never forget this. She played a uh, think by Aretha Franklin <laughs> at the bar, as much as a dive bar at like four 30 in the afternoon could erupt. It erupted. People were like, <laughs> hell yeah, that's some real fucking music. And I was like, yeah, get out of here. You fucking little. And then, and then we took those dudes back and we beat the shit out of them. <laughs> yeah, they got stabbed. Yeah. But it reminded me they got stabbed in an unrelated sure, incident. That's just what happened. This is the... absolutely in no circumstance should you ever put on Animal Collective at a bar. I'm sorry. <laughs> Stick to the basics, dude. Motown, fucking Jimi Hendrix, Black Zeppelin, Sabbath, Credence, The Clash, Black Sabbath, Slayer, The Clash, uh, two or three songs even, per even, uh, even you know, Metallica or like uh, Guns N' Roses, like you know, yeah. just ZZ keep Top. It, yeah, oh, yeah, keep it. Don't try to freak out the fucking barflies. Like they know more about music than yeah, because they're way weirder than you are. They have a, they're <laughs> way more freaky than you will ever be. Yeah. They're fucking living it. But they're keeping the Oakland basics. weird. Don't You're try just to keeping like, Oakland fucking difficult. Don't try to be cool. You're not gonna impress the bartender. The bartender just wants to hear like fucking Marvin Gaye or whatever. They want to hear like R and B or something. You know, they don't want to hear that shit. Yeah. 
But anyways, that was my little story. You can. That's a great story. I'm stamped yeah. that. Cut that. Uh, out. That's a lo- that's a lovely story. Uh, um, but to come come full circle on that, just to finish up. So yeah. the reason that they chose to do number one on the show, it was one of the shorter songs, and so they're like, that "Well, makes sense. it's that one of the shorter reason. songs, so let's play it." <laughs> and I actually just rewatched the performance. It's funny because it's it's going on and it's great and it sounds actually sounds really good for for uh for tv i think late night had a pretty good whoever was mixing those bands it always sounded pretty good but at the end it they finish and <laughs> and there's like a second where the our audience is like do we do we clap what's what is this and conan yeah. conan awkwardly walks over and is kind of like hey guys that was great huh? and then la bamba and jimmy vavino just start jamming to <laughs> just play him off stage yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah if you guys yeah, yeah if, out, you guys out there go go youtube that shit because it's it's worth the it's worth a watch for sure and totally. am i crazy did they play snl shortly after that because i I no, like I don't they, think they've ever. Oh, played they never did. Okay. SNL. You're thinking of Fear, the band. Of Fear. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Michael Donahue. Yep. Because I feel like they, I saw fireworks as well. Maybe they played Letterman later. Because sometimes oh, that would that's happen. definitely a possibility. Yeah. Conan would break a band, and then they would play on Letterman the same year. But I don't know. I could be tripping. All right. Cool. Do we have any, uh, maybe just like a little quick other uh, slapper that you guys are into before we get into well, the, the whack? Yeah, I just have... Oil jam? I have a couple. One one I'll mention quickly, and then one I think we should talk about a little more extensively. The one I'll mention quickly is Derek, which I think yeah, is a great little the, pop on my tune. list as well. And it's, an, it's a little like piece of person pitch, I think. I think it oh, definitely. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. I always thought he was singing about J- Derek Jeter. I swear to God, because it was before I like read the lyrics, I thought he was like saying like rookie year, rookie year, which Derek Jeter like How, won. Do you have an A's hat on right now? And you bring up that motherfucker. <laughs> no, it was Come the on, year dude. they beat the A's. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Derek Jeter won the World Series his rookie year, and then it, it almost sounds like he's like he can hit, he can catch, he can catch, he can throw. Like I was like, is this a song about Derek Jeter? <laughs> I can see how I'm fucking weirdly being into baseball. Oh, yeah. Uh, they Baltimore, grew up in like the era of Cal Ripken. They seem more like shit. NBA yeah. guys to me, but yeah. who knows. They Anyways, Derek. Baltimore today, too. Just a little side note. Shout out, A's. Shout out. <laughs> um, but uh, Derek, I think, is just a great a great short pop tune. It's about, their, it's about Panda Bear's dog. And it has a couple of great oh. lines. There's one about he told us to to wrap our peckers which always makes me laugh uh which apparently was something that like a gym teacher had told panda bear and his pal because he the line is like uh he told us to wrap our he told us to wrap our peckers and me and mike just looked at each other and i guess this, there's this gym teacher that told him and his pal mike this exact thing of like just be, just remember kids when you get older always wrap your peckers like, um so i thought that was a great line. condom is that what that means? yeah yeah exactly okay. yeah, dude. Um, i thought it was a- like if you get a boner duct tape it to the side of your thigh <laughs> did you guys that's... ever see that movie no Indians? you think about baseball to bring yeah him that's full circle <laughs> did you ever see that movie i think it was called indian summer but it was the like one movie? of those they duct tape those... their dicks to their yeah it was one of those movies where it's the old people reuniting and then they reminisce about their younger self so it's like the child actors and the 
They mm. go back and forth between time. A now and later, if you will. Yeah, or is it Camp Nowhere? I can't remember. The one with like Christopher, Christopher Lloyd. There's a few of those. Indian Summer was one, which they changed that movie to Ark Summer now. <laughs> nice. Oh, Let's call nice. that. But nice. Derek is let's a hear- cool little ditty. Yeah, yeah let's, hear some, let's hear some I'll, of it. I'll play just a little, little bit. Uh, actually, here's I think here is the Peckers line, if I'm not mistaken. So here's a little bit of Derek. It's a really sweet song. And then it goes into this yeah. kind of like it's a nice bombast. Bombastic. Yes, that's a great word for it. Um, let's see if I can get a little piece of this going here. Yeah, play that shit. <laughs> Derek Jeter with the walk-off homer and your championship, Yankee. Um, yeah, so I thought I, I've always liked that song. That song, and I think finishing again, finishing the finishing the album with like just a strong, like a, a strong pop song is it really works. And it's it again. It makes me for me. It makes me want to listen to it again. Like put the record, yeah. run it back. I think that was um, like a microaggression on panda bear's part where he's like okay enough of your fucking caca pants music that's like it's a, like um there's a quick little hitter yeah in australia <laughs> they have hitter. this expression where they tell people to calm down they say take your hand off of it so it's kind of yeah. like wrap your pecker dude come on <laughs> <laughs> wrap that peck yeah. um but the other song that i want to talk about i think is a centerpiece of the album and is also probably probably the, the most well-known song from the record maybe their biggest single from the record maybe of all of all their singles i don't know but uh it's it's fireworks is the song it's yeah, definitely I this become, on my wax I think yeah this song I, is perfect played. perfect swag segue why don't we give this a little spin and then we can uh you can tell us why it's uh, on yeah, your wax true so i'll for me the reason i put it on my highlights list is like it it encapsulates a lot of stuff about this record all the themes of this record are are in this song as well as sonically it captures a lot of what they're trying to do with this there's it's propulsive it's explosive it's exuberant there's you know um there's kind of this catchiness to it it's also kind of about domesticity it's about you know daily life it's about food he says how food. food this is also it mentions this is the one where the the babies poo uh, yeah. um from fright i believe and the um, babies go poo poo. <laughs> but I've always I've always liked this song quite a bit. And I think back to back for Reverend Green going into Firework is a super effective, especially right in the middle. Like it's just so effective to have these two songs back to back. Um and also seeing this song live and the way that they deconstruct it and reconstruct it is always really entertaining. I think both times that I've saw them as a full band, they played played elements of this um but yeah here I'll, I'll play a little bit of it and then we can kind of get into why you think it's whack noah what's the day what's you do 
yeah so i don't know i just really like like the, the i really like the drums i really like the propulsiveness of it i really like the the momentum and i don't know to me it's a feel-good song uh but no it seems like you have an alternate view yeah it was because that that's technically kind of the hit from this album right fireworks there's the it's, video and yeah i think it was one of the singles along with peace bone and one other yeah one the again other it leans towards that kind of ecstatic kind of mumford and sons pop music that was going on at the time it kind of sounds like the like it would be like in a commercial for like the Joshua Tree like like tourism bureau. Oh, this whole album! Of people gazing up at the at the <laughs> desert sky. This whole album is like Hulu original music. It's like last season on Shrill. It's like <laughs> shit like that. It's like like um, but I just think it's it's just a little it. This is where he it's. Avatar is tricky for me going back and listening to this stuff where it's it almost every song is too much Avatar, but sometimes I find it charming. Sometimes I just think he oversteps the line where I think if it, if they washed out his vocals a little bit more, it wouldn't be too bad. It's, it's a little too hard on the sleeve for me. A little too corny. It's corny alert for sure. <laughs> How's your food? Like, what the fuck? What are you, a waiter? Who put corn in this? Okay, what is this? The Southwest? Put corn and shit for no reason? Come on. Yeah. I just thought that song aged poorly because I remember loving it. That was one of the songs that, like, yeah, I was saying, like, me and my old roommate listened to, but I was like, oh, it's kind of a little middle of the road. It reminded me of, like, that Lumineer song, like, Hey Ho. That's like that kind of. brooklyn like rooftop yeah New just York. kind of stompy strummy kind yeah, of hipster yeah. howl at the hey, moon yeah yeah like previously on girls well it's let's a, hear a it's little a previously bit. on quote-unquote like prestige tv type song bumper music yes well, let's hear a little bit more of the kind of towards the end of the song or towards the last half of the song. Can I get you the check? I think he actually says, how's your mood? Not how your, how's your food um but either way how's your food either way it's definitely definitely kind of about you know daily life and and kind of checking in with with love guys i'm consulting the lyric sheet and it's definitely how's your food (laughs) although they also do an annoying thing where they write the um the font is very scribbly so it's kind of hard to read well, either way, I think it the it's it gets to the same thing, which is kind of talking to a loved one, you know. And and it, a lot of these songs are kind of to a loved one, or spoken about a loved one, or the point of view of of being in a family or being in a partnership. Um, and I think that's why this song connected with a lot of people, and I think what's why it did it has become sort of one of their signature songs, if you will. Um, there's probably it speaks to that. yeah there's probably weddings that are happening right now as we speak that 
people it's are like one of those weddings where everyone let goes of like those balloons with like the candles in them. Yeah. <laughs> those lanterns. People are like walking the fireworks down. actually hurt frogs, so we're gonna do this. People are walking down the aisle to this song. It was like do 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 and like but then my grandma's like, What is this? Kind of <laughs> freaks out the- like my grandma's so random. She has dementia. She's she sounds like animal collective lyrics a lot. It's, it's so cute. So fucking, this is like a it's wedding. So, it's so mood. There's many a wedding DJ that's like, oh, fireworks, really? This is they're like, people don't remember it as fondly as you guys do. It's gonna be a mood killer. <laughs> I don't care how many of your college friends are here. All the rest of your friends, like your coworkers that you've made friends with in the last five years, they're not gonna like this shit. It's gonna freak them out. <laughs> okay, what about you, uh, Adrian? Do you have any uh, wax? No, I had no wax on this. There's, I mean, there's only nine songs, and for yeah. me, every, everyone, every one of these songs has at least some element that I like. There was nothing that I would skip, and because these songs are much more concise, I think they don't really even need tightening. Um, even the long songs for Reverend Green and Fireworks, which are both. Uh, six and a half and almost seven minutes respectively mm. they don't necessarily feel that long i think cuckoo cuckoo kind of does feel you do feel its length but uh that's another that's one that i actually like but yeah i'll leave it to you guys what's uh what's another whack from you? one song that left me a little cold is winter wonderland <laughs> yeah that song sucks it's uh it's like a bottle episode don't need it get rid of it it should just be an instrument. Too much. You're doing too much. See, I disagree. To me, Paper this is peckers. a nice. This is a nice little. Um, it's like pop, pop punk or something. It's like almost <laughs> it, like Blink One Eighty Two on acid. To me, it's just a pleasant little ditty. But maybe that means well, that maybe that ditty. that shows that it's kind of a trifle. But I don't know. Here's yeah. here's a little bit of Winter Wonderland, so you get a taste of it. Feel like I'm at a Dan Deacon show or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've been to a Dan Deacon show together. Yeah, it was a waste of fucking time. I I uh I missed my chance to see Dan Deacon. The time I was able, I almost saw him. He uh, he got way, sick. It's way too many instructions, Adrian. He has you like, it's like doing the hokey pokey. Or yeah, you have to have an app. <laughs> we we can do that on the Dan Deacon episode though. It's like a, a spin class with this fucking guy. <laughs> Um, but I'll let you guys talk about why you don't like this. But to me, I like I, I really like I like the again, the propulsiveness of it, the the momentum. And also, I think that uh, Panda Bear's drumming is is pretty killer. Yeah, Adrian, I hear you with the drumming. But it, when it just becomes that kind of marching band, that propulsive marching band drumming, I just don't find that very interesting. It just gets a little cheesy it gets into that circus music territory for me yeah yeah it seems yeah it just yeah it's i don't know it's a little sophomoric um and it's just not i don't know i don't think it has like that kind of more psychedelic or detached kind of 
wooziness that the rest of the album kind of has. I don't know. It's a little it's a bit, maybe a little too, not straightforward, but too polished, too polished. in your face and polished maybe. Um, and then, so then you hear kind of the more annoying things and that's not like washed out by like other interesting things, you know, it's a little too um, exposed or something for me, for my liking. You're exposed. You need to bundle up winter wonderland. Nice. That's fair. Yeah, well, we're uh, we're getting getting into the second uh, little hour here. So, uh, any parting thoughts on any wax before we uh, do our ratings? And yeah, I think Peace Bone is kind of whack these days. I don't think it held up all that well, but it has that screamy vocal, Beach Boy harmonies. It's a little heavier, but I don't think it's that good. Um, it does have steel drums. There's steel drums a couple times on this album. Yeah. I remember I was a little kid one time. I think I was in like Monterey Bay and I saw a guy playing a steel drum. And I was like, that's like the coolest thing I've ever seen. Cause it's just, it's amazing how much sound you can get out of a steel drum. But um, yeah, Peace Bone, I just thought aged badly. But it's march, more marching band circus music. Yeah, here's a little bit of peace bone. Yeah. I don't know. I agreed. <laughs> it's I, I like the song. I had it as an honorable mention. I think it it starts off the album uh, in a it helps set the, the the kind of the the it sets up the rest of the album because it, it takes a lot of elements that that will be repeated or uh, it's it's kind of the template for the rest for a lot of these songs of like yeah the driving beat the kind of the the vocals that go from from sing songy to to yelpy um that's kind of why i liked it but you know i think that's a fair assessment you know know your your take on it so yeah i'm somewhere in between you two with that song i think it's like it as an intro song it works really well but little else you know um mm. that's fair let's do ratings all yeah. right let's get into it what are you guys giving this yeah, I'm sticking with my last ratings, 8.0. You know, it's nice. It's a good rating. I didn't. It doesn't hold up for me as much as it did when I was like when I was younger, but I still kind of tap into that early 20s vibe. Some of the stuff still holds up. Yeah, it's just questionable if I'll listen to this again. Uh, and I'm starting to think that the whole kind of freak folky thing is just. Not something that's aged for me very well, but all right. Caleb. I am going to give this album. Let me get my peace bone calculator. (laughs) 7.4. Oh, big Hmm. jump. Yeah. You know, like I, like I said, I found it warm and inviting at times and you know, it did the weird thing responsibly. And, but then yeah, like I said, it's just kind of clever, yelpy, um, child spirit-like music. Um, just I don't know. I don't think it's for me in Kitty this indie. in this form. In this form, that is Adrian. 
Yeah, so in returning to these albums, I thought, honestly, I thought I would give them higher scores. But for me, this is this is a little bit better than the last one. So I'm going to give it an 8.7. I think Whoa. the last one I gave an 8.6. 9.3 feels a little high. I think that part of that is is definitely hype. I mean, this is... They needed nope. their Beatles. They're like, we need our generation's Beatles, goddammit. Who is our... Who is the American Radiohead? So like I mean I I don't Wilson. <laughs> I don't necessarily disagree with like the nine point three but to me it's a little I think with twenty twenty vision you know hindsight being what it is I think that we can bump that down I think eight point seven still very strong yeah, tape your pecker come on but yeah wrap your pecker <laughs> wrap your pecker pitchfork wrap your peckers over there well you know that remember that blog pecker rap they'd slam this fucking thing. <laughs> All right, Caleb. Calculate that shit. Let's calculate. Let's put this the old Roland sequencer. (laughs) And what do we got here? We got an eight point nothing. Just an eight. Eight flat, baby. That is maybe the fairest consensus review we've ever had. Just because it was (laughs) my my square. (laughs) How does that keep happening? (laughs) I don't know. Math. Math. Who knows how it works? Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so eight. Um, yeah, how's this squaring up with our old friend Carlos and Rob? Where's this get <laughs> on the smooth scale? Smooth scale. I, know, I think it might be a little too weird for for Carlos. He'd be like, oh, okay, yeah. You never. You definitely need a palate cleanser off after this. So I, I'd recommend listening to Smooth a couple times. You know what album I did listen to right after this one? What's that? So Avatar has the caca voice. So I was like, you know what? I don't want this little kid caca pants music. I want expensive shit. Oh, so I listened yeah. to Fella Cootie's expensive shit. Hell yeah. And I was I like, got that, deeply into that Bella album is like the same year I got into this shit. That was like, yeah, kinda, okay, Caleb. Yeah. See, I think I did too. Where yeah. I was, this led me to we Afro, Afro yeah. beat in a way, I think maybe. Um, but I was like, that album's only two songs, and it's uh, you know, it blows away most albums, so it's kind of well. That, I like I like the whole approach of expression. She's like, do you like this groove? And it's like, yes, I do. It's like, all right, <laughs> then you're gonna be, it's gonna be with you for the next forty five. It also minutes. has like a lot of textures, <laughs> oh, backing yeah. vocals. There's also kind of like loops going on. It's, oh, yeah, uh, it's, it's, a, it's water. A water gets no enemy is one of my all time favorite tracks ever. Yeah, that's a banger. So that's my recommendation. Listen to this album and then put on Fela Kuti and Africa 70s um, expensive shit. You want to know what I listened to after I listened to this album? What? I listened to um, the second album by Norwegian uh, black metal band Gehenna, uh, Second Spell. Good. It's good. You know, slightly melodic, slightly symphonic, um, like second wave Norwegian shit. Check it out. I was gonna guess something like that. I was like, "What? Like Burzum? What is you?" Like? <laughs> I don't listen to Burzum anymore. Problematic. Yeah, that guy's an incel. Um, all right. Cool. Right on. That's you know. I like how that all shaped up. That was very, very nice. Um, yeah. So whatever happens, man, stick around for next week and find out. Um, uh, <laughs> and uh, let's just uh, let's jump into the game. We're uh, Burning nightlight out over here. So for the game, 
the game, I have another round of super groups, side projects, and solo acts. But oh. this is the rock and roll edition. Wow! Rock and roll! Ooh. Rock and roll edition. Put on your top hat and your scarves and your fingers. Get wrapped, scarves. baby. Get wrapped. <laughs> Get okay. your right wing politics. So you guys remember how to play. You guys remember how to play, right? I'll just name uh, band members and then you you uh, name the super group, side project, or solo act to which they belonged. Oh, yeah. You ready? Rock and roll. Okay. Number one. First things first. We got Ginger Baker, Steve Winwood, Rick Gretsch, and Denny Lane. Mm. If this helps you, this follows under a solo act. Hmm. Wait, say those members again. Ginger Baker, Steve okay. Winwood, Steve Rick, Winwood, Rick Gretsch, and Denny Lane. Steve Winwood, of course, from Traffic. Traffic, and, yeah. Was that other one John Spencer Blues Group or something? No, I believe he was in the Traveling Wilburys, right? <laughs> no, he wasn't. No, my bad. That was Steve Wynn something. Denny Lane and that's Jeff Lynn. Uh, Jeff Denny Lynn. L- nah, my bad. Denny Lane is from Moody Blues. Um, all right, I'll give you so- a hint. This is Ginger Baker's band. Oh, yeah. Oh, J- uh, JBB, Ginger Baker band. <laughs> Duh. No. Adrian, do you know? No, I don't. I can't think of it. It's a branch of the military. The Ginger Baker's Air Force. Oh, that's a horrible oh, name. yeah, horrible name. Good music though. God, but I, was... I just mentioned that one because Ginger Baker has that fella Cootie album, so right. I kind of went down a, I went down a sure Ginger, and, Ginger and yeah, fella, uh, rabbit hole. It was the uh, Spencer Davis group. No. Spencer that's Davis a... group. Yeah, yeah. Not he's bad, like not fourteen agent stuff. Yeah. He's the one that sings that. You didn't have to die, man. Like you didn't, but you didn't. I thank you. Yeah. Oh, I thank you. Get it, white boy. You didn't have to die, Put some stank on that shit, boy. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Sunday night's getting loose. I'm calling calling in tomorrow. (laughs) Essential, my ass. All right. uh, Here we go. Second one. Uh, We got Greg Raleigh, Neil Sean, George Tickner, Ross Valerie, Prairie Prince. Now, you probably don't know any of those names, but as a hint, Greg Raleigh and Neil Sean were both oh. in Santana. Oh, is this oh, Journey? What? Yes. Yeah. Neil Sean, famously of, of Journey. Yeah. Good call. So technically, like when you Wikipedia supergroups, a lot of these yeah. classic rock bands qualify, but they just shuffled members. Like it's funny how they went from the best band for one of the best bands from the Bay Area ever to the worst band <laughs> from the Bay Area. Ever. Worst band of all time. Yeah. Giant, fuck the Giants, Dodgers for life. Um, fuck the Giants. Ross Valerie Word. is from Steve Miller Band. Prairie Prince is from the Tubes. Okay. Oh, Tubes. Uh, Underrated band. That's good. Yeah. That's good pop. Take your word on that one. <laughs> I don't know if you guys are going to get any of these. Okay. 
Paul Rogers, Jimmy Page, Tony Franklin, Chris Slade. What? They had an album called Mean Business. Oh. Eighty-six. Yikes! Yikes! <laughs> yeah, they have the same name as a famous Jack Nicholson and uh, Tom Cruise movie. Or no, wait, I'm thinking of the wrong one. That's a few good men. They have a Tom Cruise lawyer movie. Oh, the firm. <laughs> yeah, the firm. Oh, the. That also a Tim Roth movie about a uh, soccer hooligans. Maybe. But of course, Paul Rogers is bad company. Jimmy Page, Led Zeppelin, Tony Franklin. Do you know where he's from? It sounds familiar, but I can't place him. The Yardbirds. White Snake. Oh, yeah. White Snake. Yeah. Oh boy, never mind then. Chris Slade. He's he's been around. Uriah of Heap. Slade. Is he from? Is he of nah, Slade? Uh, not of Slade. Uriah Heap, ACDC, Manfred Mann's Earth Band. Not a bunch of shit. Uriah. I guess Heap, Uriah Heap's cool. Band. Oh, all right, yeah, some good like you know nerd. Caleb, you nerd should be rock. able to get this one. Oh, cool. Dolly Parton, Linda Ronstadt. Oh, trio, Andy baby. Harris. Hell yeah, yeah. trio. Great album covers. One of my that's one of my best uh, purchases I ever got. Jen was we were at Amoeba together, and I found it on vinyl, and I had to like pretend like I had a violent bowel movement or something. I was like, oh, I got, I got to leave all of a sudden so I could go like uh, buy it for purchase. her. Yeah, sneaky purchase style. That's a shout um, out Sister-in-Law's Corner. That's like Jen's <laughs> favorite album, right? That Trio album? It's, yeah, it's got to be. And then Trio 2 is probably number two. It's good. It's oh, it's great. Good. It's great. Holds up like a motherfucker for sure. Yeah, it's fantastic. Okay, this one is a fun one, guys. Oh, I hope no. you get this. Christ. Spike Spike Slauson, Fat Mike. Uh, oh God! What I think the I hell is his last is. name? Fat Mike. But Lop. I think it's Lop is his last name. <laughs> I can't read my own writing. Fat Mike Buttkit or something. <laughs> uh, Joey Cape and Chris Shefflet. Do you know what this band is? I think I might. Adrian, Adrian, do you have a Rock. guess? Is this is this me first in the uh, gimme gimme's? Yeah, that was yeah. my guess. Yeah, yeah. Because I think it's gonna be a long, long time. Touchdown, baby, <laughs> when they get too far. I'm a rocket man. They famously did classic rock, stupid punk rock songs. Yeah, punk goes whatever, right? That was kind of their yeah, thing. But they were the yeah. whole band of it. God, I hate fucking punk rock. <laughs> Yeah, Spike Slauson, Swinging Utters, Fat Mike, No Effects, Joey Cape, Lag Wagon, Chris Shefflet, Foo Fighters, No Use oh. for a Name. Ooh, yeah, I, I just, ooh, that, that was, was a. Uh, yeah. I gotta take a <laughs> hey, guys, guys, I gotta take a puke break. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll be right back. All those bands, they're also featured in trucks throughout Orchid, California. <laughs> yep. Like stickers, yeah. you know, not bumper stickers a, in the window. You get the like the, the back window corner one. That's I do have a fond prime real memory estate of, for your strung out stickers or whatever. I do have a fond memory of me and Alex driving. We used to go to like shows in Santa Barbara, like at the living room, like on like Sunday nights randomly. Yeah, They're like two dollar shows. And we'd always play "Me First in the Gimme Gimmies" as the drive, as the soundtrack to get, get us to up. Santa Barbara. Yeah. <laughs> Do you Simpler remember those times. Sunday night shows? Did you guys ever go to those? I, I, I never went yeah. to the living room. They were like three dollars. Wow, really? It was always 
Never got it was to always go. Some, it was always some band that was like on the last leg of their tour before they got to like LA or whatever. It was like a yeah. Sunday. There, there'd always be like 10 people there. But it was, it was literally $2 for a ticket. So I was like, fuck it, let's go. Like the gas. We just have to pay for the gas. But anyways. Okay, last but not least, we have Bob Marley and John Lennon. What? They were in a Bob super... Marley and John you wrote the question. Lennon? They were in a side project. <laughs> okay, so what ghost is this? Yeah, shit? What ghost. Some something clever. They just released a single, and it's self-titled single, self-titled song. It's one of those Black Sabbath situations. Song, album, single. Um, oh, is it 38 special? <laughs> Close. <laughs> it's called Ghost of Brother. Ghost of Brother. Yep. <laughs> Only imagine what I, I, somebody on you know artificial intelligence that's writing that song right now. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! You could probably see them pl- play live together whenever like Coachella Bub, comes back. My good friend Bob. <laughs> Caleb, give uh, us your Bob Marley impersonation. No, you're not going to catch me doing a fake patois. On- <laughs> <laughs> Adrian, do you got a John Lennon? <laughs> um. <laughs> Bob, <laughs> he has harems. I love to beat love me wife. wife. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact he has multiple wives. All my solo music is trash. You're <laughs> trash. John Lennon. John Lennon was one of those guys. Like, I'm sure he went to Jamaica and probably met Bob Marley back in the day. But he totally day one he's affecting an accent like already he's like <laughs> it's really weird yeah, yeah. on me. <laughs> oh boy. Yep. All, all right. right, that's it. All right, that was great. That was fun. Uh, and I think what we've all learned from Noah's game is supergroups are not a good idea. <laughs> but but that is such there's like a deep deep reservoir for it. We could play that game pretty much every episode and still like not yeah. even scratch the surface. We'll they, do a traveling Woolberries episode. They just keep uh they just keep coming out. <laughs> we'll do it. T- I can't wait for our Swan Lake um episode. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna be personally uh, you're into that shit. Hell yeah, I'm gonna personally be advocating for that. I can't wait for our tinted windows episode. Do you guys remember that? That had like an actor in it, right? Yeah. Let's that. not rehash it. Let's <laughs> let's forget about that. Let's save it for the tinted. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, well, next week we will be uh, concluding our uh, triptych of Animal Collective episodes. Uh, we're going to be doing Mary Weather Post Pavilion uh, from 2009. I want to say which Wells? is yep. Oh no, sorry. Which is uh, the kind of the tail end of what you know, kind of the the time frame that we cover here. So yeah, stick around it's for that. Biggest album, I would say. Yeah, Maybe and I'm gonna let you guys a little spoiler alert. I have never heard that album, so I am going in. Wow, completely. I'm just dry docking, baby. Caleb, I had only listened to it once in my whole life. Yeah, so I'm, I'm eager. I'm sure I've heard songs from it. Oh, of course. Um, but I had never like sat down like or even like heard somebody playing it. I'm like, what is? Well, you've this? seen a like, you've seen a episode of Hulu, a Hulu the show Hulu television show. So I'm sure you've heard one of those songs. Yeah, okay, cool. Can't wait. Cannot wait. 
Um, yeah, thank you as always to Kiki uh, Pedafor Ontiveros for the uh, slapping theme song. Um, thank you to Adrian for all your production work. Thank you to Noah for all the laughter and joy you bring us. Um, and to all our followers out there, uh, be sure to rate, review, and follow us. Um, you can do that through our website, wackerslaps.com. You can follow us at socials at Whack or slaps. That's Instagram and Twitter. Get into a Twitter beef with us. Talk some shit. We need Fuck reviews. We need reviews yeah. on iTunes. Yeah. And if you have a negative review, that's okay with us. Just drop your fucking address, your mailing address in the goddamn comments. I'll fight you. Um, and you can also hit us up on email, and that's whack or slaps at gmail.com. We need and- those animal collective uh vocals. Hey, let's see if we can get on all seven continents before month's end in terms of followers so come on help us achieve that and uh for no and adrian i'm caleb and this has been whacker slaps and as always we ask the eternal question what made milwaukee famous Woo! hit the music bye goodbye boop, boop, beep, beep. <laughs>